encouraging and encouraging believers under persecution. And, and so for the last six years, I've had this ability, this, this privilege, really, to serve the, the persecuted church by raising awareness and raising prayer support, raising financial support uh, for believers under persecution. Um, but I've also been able to serve the Church of New Zealand um, by sharing some of the, the stories and some of the lessons that we can learn from believers under persecution. Because, you know, these are ones that have suffered and endured um, imprisonment, torture, beating, and all sorts. Um, but yet, through it all, their faith remains strong and intact. And surely there is something that we can learn from them. Because I, I really feel like they can be some of the greatest mentors uh, for our faith. And so just have your hearts open uh, this morning to hear uh, a lesson or, or a, um, an encouragement or perhaps a challenge from the persecuted church today. And so I want to start by sharing um, just a little bit about Arav and Neela. Now, Arav, um, a Christian in India, well, he was actually killed for his faith just last year in 2020. Now, Arav, uh, he was a part of an extremist group, and as he was a part of that group, he ended up doing all sorts of violent crimes, and as a result, ended up in prison. Now, when he was in prison, he started to seek God, and he found a, a Christian who shared the gospel with him, and he became a Christian in prison. Now, he became such a strong Christian that when he got out, he started to influence his region and his community for Jesus. And when he was uh, an extremist and, and a part of this bad group, uh, no one bothered him. You know, no one um, sort of uh, had any, any issues with him and, and they didn't try and attack him or that kind of thing. But when he became a Christian, well, then the whole village turned against him. And at one stage, they beat him and chased him out of his house with himself and his wife and his four kids. And then eventually, last year, the extremist group that he was a part of ended up killing him uh, because he was a Christian. But before they killed him, some of the Open Doors team asked him, they said, Arav, uh, aren't you going to get out of this place? Because it's actually starting to get really dangerous for you. And his response was, um, no, the Lord has called me here. And if, even if I die, uh, I'm just going to meet Jesus anyway. And so he was killed and he did meet Jesus. So then who's left behind is Neela and the four kids. And so some of the team actually went to meet Neela um, after he had been killed. And, um, and the, the team was actually really surprised when they saw Neela because she had a big smile on her face and she seemed full of joy and she seemed unafraid. And so the, the team said to Neela, well, Neela, you know, your husband's just been killed. Um, you know, aren't you going to, to take yourself and your kids to a more safe place rather than stay here? And her response was this. She said, I will continue to the work that my husband and I started. If they want to kill me, they can come and kill me. I don't bother about being killed. I'm bothered about the souls that God has given us in this village. Oh, look, you know, I don't, I don't bother about being killed. You know, I don't bother about that stuff. I'm just bothered about the souls in this village. And so my question to us this morning is, well, what is it that we are bothered about this morning? Uh, I just love how the, the persecuted church has this way of putting our lives into a, a bit of context 
you know, a bit of global context, a bit of spiritual battle context, because sometimes we, we often wake up in the morning forgetting that we're actually even in a spiritual battle, that the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but that Jesus Christ has come to give eternal life. And here we are in church this morning, and it's amazing to be here, you know, in the Father's presence this morning. But, but actually, in just a few hours, Neela and the others are going to be getting up in India, and they're going to be having church, trying to do church, having church in that hostile environment where they could be killed today for what they're doing but open doors what we do is we stand with believers like Neela and we help them and it it does remind me of this passage of scripture here and it's Philippians chapter 1 and we'll just read from 18 to 21 and it says it begins but what does it matter and and it sort of echoes what Neela said you know I'm not bothered about being killed and and Paul here he is and he's saying but what does it matter The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And what an amazing way to start, but what does it matter? And Paul, I mean, he's writing these words from prison for a start. And he can't see family, he can't see friends, he's been beaten, he's got no Wi-Fi coverage, he's got none of that stuff. Yet through it all, what does he choose to do? He says he will continue to rejoice. But what else does he say? He says, I know that through your prayers... And so there's, there's a part um, for us to play, to, to play in serving persecuted believers and our brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a need for us to to pray for and to support uh, our brothers and sisters around the world. And what I want to do at the end is I want to lead us in a time of prayer. And and one of the things that I love is the fact that we can come here into this building this morning um, and we can pray for someone around the world and then we, we can leave this place knowing that we've made a tangible difference for someone around the world. So we're going to pray and do that this morning. But there is a need for us to pray. And Open Doors, what we do is we uh, serve and support and pray for people like Neela and her family who are currently building the church in these hostile environments. And so we ask the church, you know, what do you need? How can we help? And they'll say, well, look, uh, we need Bibles. Can you get us Bibles? And Open Doors has always been about getting Bibles into the hands of believers. Um, began with this guy, Brother Andrew, who smuggled Bibles across uh, Eastern Europe behind the Iron Curtain, um, beyond border checkposts. He would hide these Bibles in the lining of his car. And he would pray um, what he called the smuggler's prayer. And so he would pray, Lord Jesus, when you were on earth, you opened the eyes of the blind. So I pray now that you would make seeing eyes blind to the Bibles that I'm carrying. 
And time and time again, he'd just take these Bibles through these check posts. He did it so often that he got to the point where he would just have boxes of Bibles next to him on the passenger seat and take them through because he knew that the car would be searched anyway. And in time and time, he would just take those Bibles through. And, and it does remind me, actually, you know, God um, you know, is so concerned about getting the living Word of God into the hands of his kids. And, and it does remind me, we had a, a guy, Ron Boyd McMillan, come here that we hosted just a couple of years ago. And he was saying one of his um, travels and in his travels, he'd been a part of Open Doors about 40 years from Europe. He said he had a van load of Bibles and he was going along some Eastern European little country road and he, it was him and someone else in the car as well. And as he was going along this uh, back country road, suddenly a guard stepped out from behind these bushes and ho- held up his hand and told him to stop. And so obviously they'd put a, a check post there, just not trying to trying not to get things into the country that shouldn't be in there. And Ron said that it was such a sudden thing to suddenly see him in the middle of the road that he, the, the, as he jammed on the brakes, the van swerved. And as the van swerved, a box of Bibles dislodged from behind his head flew out the driver's window and smacked the guard on the forehead and knocked him out cold. And he just lay on the road like a starfish, just out, out cold. And so they stopped the van and they both got out to check him. He was still breathing, so he dragged him off off the road, picked up the box of Bibles, didn't wait for him to wake up, and then continued on and got the Bibles into the place where it needed to go. And so just so many stories of, you know, border checkposts and those kind of things and getting, um, just getting through, getting past, you know, just lots of, lots of miracles. And so we, we, get, we still get Bibles into the hands of believers. We, we'll do this discipleship and leadership training because some of the pastoral issues are, my family's trying to kill me because I'm a Christian, uh, what do I do? And we, we help orphans and widows, we do trauma counseling, and just serve the underground church and, and simply help the church to be the church in the toughest places on earth. And so um, one thing that we do every year is produce the World Watch list, and it's the, the top 50 countries uh, where persecution is the most severe and the most dangerous place in the world to be today, if you are a Christian, is North Korea. And I recently heard a quote um, from a North Korean believer, and and he said this. He said, um, we have a saying in North Korea that when we are meeting together, if three of us are meeting together, one of us is a spy and will report us to the government. And so in North Korea, you can't even meet together with two others. It's too dangerous to do that because most probably one is a spy. It's that controlled. It's that harsh. Parents don't tell their kids that they're Christians. Withhold the the gospel and and eternal life from their kids to a point because if their kids say something um, by mistake at school, they'll come home from school and find their parents have already been taken to a labor camp. The entire extended family is taken into the labor camp as well. I heard another quote from a North Korean believer and he, and he said this, when I became a Christian, I made a decision that one day I will die for Christ. Then he said, every believer in North Korea has made that decision. And so I just wonder if we would be a Christian today. If it was the case in New Zealand, more likely than not, we'll be killed for our faith before reaching old age. 
And so it's so extreme and harsh in North Korea. But, but one of the things that really has stirred my heart over the last month is um, remembering and being reminded of the, this fact that there are some North Koreans that get to escape North Korea, cross the river into China, in China find Jesus, become a Christian, and then at the call of God feel that they need to go back into North Korea. Because that is a one-way trip, to go back to share with just one other person. Man, I mean, that, that is the call of God that our brothers and sisters are, are hearing from the Lord, you know, um, just on this, this regular basis around the world. We, we just need to remember them, and we need to pray, pray for them. Um, one of the, the things uh, with the, the World Watch List is that seven years ago, there was only one country that scored above 80 persecution points on our scale. And so we, um, we give countries a score out of uh, 100 persecution points. And so just one country scored above 80, that was North Korea, about seven years ago. This year, on the same scale, our top 12 countries score above 80 And so what we're saying is that just in the last handful of years, persecution has significantly increased on the earth, and we are actually living in significant times on the earth at the moment, which is why we need to be sharp and aware and onto it and engaged in the battle, while we need to be people of faith, people of hope, people of courage, because the world is shifting. And so we've seen the the globe shift just in the last couple of years, of course, but you need to be aware that persecution has been increasing that the devil's been upping his game, but more people are coming to Christ today than ever before. You need to remember that. And in some of the, these difficult places, this is where the church of Jesus Christ is growing the fastest. And so it's just to be aware that the fact that we are living in significant times, and so we need to be, um, like Jesus was talking about, the, the ten virgins. We need to be the five with lamps you know, in our spirit, in our heart, um, and just ready for what it is that the Lord's doing. He's calling us. He's calling us out to take faith steps and to, to do some of the things that the persecuted church is, is doing. And, and so these are things that we don't really process on a regular basis, haven't needed to in, in our country, haven't had to. But this is just bringing into our minds just some of these thoughts just as a part of our discipleship journey this morning to remember and to realize what is happening around the world at the moment. And so really just wanted to highlight that to you. Um, I do have another story that I wanted to to share, just one I've recently um, heard, and, and that's Shangar. And so Shangar is an Iranian Christian. And she went through some persecution preparedness training for Iranian Christians, and she was taught, and, and Open Doors does this kind of thing, um, she was taught how or what to do um, if ever her house or her church was raided. So um, just after she had finished that course, uh, a crowbar was forced through her front door, the front door was forced open, and the secret police quietly crept into her house, went to every room, found Shangar, and bundled her into the lounge and started their interrogation. Now, Shangar, she remembered some of the training she had done, and she'd asked to, to use the bathroom. And so they let her use the bathroom. She went into the toilet, locked the door, immediately took a selfie of herself, and wrote, um, uh, Please pray our church is being raided. 
And then she, as soon as she sent that, she immediately started to get off her phone any evidence of being a Christian. Now, as she was doing this, one of the female officers was trying to bust down the door because she was taking too long. But, uh, but Shanga said, I know what my rights are. I'm allowed to be in here and you need to back off. And so she was able to stay in there for a bit longer. She eventually came out. She was forced back into the lounge again and the interrogation continued. At one point in the interrogation, they said, well, you're under arrest. But she remembered her training, and she says, you can't arrest me without, a, without an arrest warrant. And so they eventually left her to go and get an arrest warrant. It took Shanga three days to prepare herself to leave the country for good, and she arrived at the airport. When she arrived at the airport, she was frightened um, she was terrified, actually, because she thought, well, by now, this has been three days. Of course, they've got their arrest warrant by now. But she lined up um, at the end of the, the queue for the, the line that was boarding the plane. And as she started to get further down to the, the front of the queue, she, her, her heart skipped a beat because at the front there, she noticed that they were checking documents, and one of the people checking the documents was one of the guys that had been in her house just three days before. And so there was nothing she could do. She just had to trust the Lord. She stepped to the front, handed over the documents, As she handed over the documents, that particular guy had turned away and he was looking the other way. She had the documents handed back to her. She boarded the plane. As she sat on the seat of the plane, her name rang out across the airport because the arrest warrant had finally been issued. But she was on the plane. The plane took off and she went out in safety. And so she now lives in a a different country and... um, she, she said this, I um, know oh that's that one, um, she said this, so we were talking with her, she said, I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for my preparation and if it wasn't for the prayer of the worldwide church. And so at Open Doors, this is what we do. We prepare Christians for persecution. We equip them and we pray for them. And so uh, this is our verse again. And First Philippians chapter 1, 18 to 21, and it says, But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And so it's through your prayers, it's through God's um, provision results in my deliverance. Your prayers, God's provision, my deliverance. And so there's this uh, partnership that, that we form in seeing people uh, escape places and, and just seeing the kingdom of God extended. Through your prayers, God's provision, and my deliverance. We need uh, each of those in in operation. And then it says, I eagerly expect and hope that in no way I'll be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage. Now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Expectation, hope, and courage. 
And so we need to take the example of Paul, that, that we should be people of expectation, people of hope, and people of courage. See, Shanga would not have spent three days preparing to leave the country if she had no expectation. She would not have arrived at the airport if she had no hope. And she would not have stepped to the front of the queue if she had no courage. And I believe that these are the, the, the qualities that the Lord is raising up within us as well. I mean, the world is shifting. And so we just need to be people who shine brightly for Jesus. I just believe that, that even though, uh, even if, and even though the world will get darker, the church of Jesus Christ will get brighter and there'll be a greater distinction between the two. And so we need to be people full of faith, full of expectation, full of hope and full of courage. And so, um, and so this is a verse that we can remember um, and hold on to ourselves um, to encourage us throughout the day. And so in some stage, we'll probably need to remember this verse. And I do want to share with you just one more story this morning. And, um, and it's of Sarah and, um, and what the Lord did uh, through Sarah and, and how he delivered her. So Sarah's husband, uh, so Sarah is from Iran uh, as well. And so Sarah's husband had been imprisoned for several months. And she started to get nervous herself of being arrested herself. Now, she, Sarah was from a, a well-to-do family, and, so, and she knew the conditions of the Iranian prisons, and, and she, did not, she didn't think she'd survive in that kind of environment. Um, and so uh, she was at home uh, one day, and she heard a knock on the door. And at that moment, her heart sank. There was nowhere for her to go, and she felt like this is going to be bad. And she opened the door, and it was the secret police. They blindfolded her, and they drove her through town, and they threw her into a cell, into solitary confinement. And so she was in the cell, and she knew that she had to appear the next day before the court. And so as she was in that cell, she was uh, feeling really uh, terrified. She felt like the Lord had left her, couldn't feel the presence of the Lord, and she couldn't sleep at all uh, that night. And her stomach was in knots because of what was going to happen the next day. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a, um, a day where you just didn't want tomorrow to turn up. <laughs> I don't know if you've had one of those, but she was having one of those kind of days. And so the next day, um, they led her into the courtroom. And as they led her into the courtroom, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon her. She stood up and she said, it is an honor for me today to tell you about Jesus Christ and the way of salvation. And the high official, he stood up and he said, you can't evangelize in my courtroom. Do you know what the penalty is for that? Get her out of my courtroom. And so they threw her out of the courtroom and they threw her back into the solitary confinement. Now she had to appear before him now the next day. And so she's in even more trouble now. And so she's fearful, she's alone, and no one knows where she is. And she, again, can't sleep that night. Fear just crept right into her, her soul. Again, she stepped into the courtroom. She was led in the courtroom. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon her. And again, she said, it is my privilege today to tell you about Jesus Christ and the way of salvation. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. And again, this high official stood up in rage and said, get her out. I don't want her in my courtroom. And so threw her back into that confinement cell again. 
that night she looked up and she heard footsteps coming towards her and it was the high official. And she thought, I'm in real trouble now. He's going to do something to me in my cell. He came up to her and said, don't be afraid. Your testimony over the last two days has convicted me. I need to know more about Jesus. And so she opened the, he opened the cell. He sat with her for three hours. She explained the gospel of Jesus Christ, led him to Christ. And now we have a high official in the Iranian court system who is a Christian. He then worked for the next few days to get her out of prison, which he has, has done. And so now she is free, and we have one of God's men in the Iranian court system. And so praise the Lord, what, what the Lord does. And he is the one that helps us. You know, it's, it's not the sort of thing, this, this hope, expectation, and, and, um, and expect, you know, um, anticipation for what God's going to do. It's not something we necessarily have to generate ourselves, but the Holy Spirit in us and upon us, he is the one who will carry us through these difficult places and these difficult times. And so for us to, today, you know, how um, can we respond today? And what I do want to do is I want to lead us in prayer. You know, that is one way that we can engage in the, the world of the persecuted church and, and step up and, and step beside our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and I always uh, do like to leave the opportunity for us as well um, that we can, another thing that we can do to really help and support our brothers and sisters around the world is that we can give. And uh, what we do is on a monthly basis, we call it subscribing to the survival of the persecuted church. And, and I think of um, some of the subscriptions that we might have in our life, maybe Netflix or Spotify or um, internet or phone subscription or maybe the local coffee shop, whatever it might be, um, monthly basis. And would you consider today perhaps even matching a subscription that, that you have in your life to subscribe to the survival of the persecuted church and what it does is it helps us to promise to them um, or to let them know that yes bibles are coming or the training is coming or yes we can supply for your orphans and widows yes we can do the trauma counseling or help in the schools wherever it is and what we do is anything that we do we're always looking strategically, will this build the kingdom of God in the next 10 years' time, the next 20 years' time? And so it's all about um, extending the, the kingdom of God and sharing the gospel. And, um, and it's really great because we know that $7 will teach a child about Jesus, $10 disciples a young person, $20 gets a Bible into the hands of a believer, $50 will help feed a family for a month during COVID-19. $100 helps to rebuild churches. And I was just having a quick conversation earlier this morning with regards to youth and the kids. And in one of the countries we work in, in Central Asia, it's so some countries they say, oh, yeah, you can do church, but in that country it's illegal to go to church under the age of 16. And so it's a way of stealing the gospel from the generation coming um, coming up. But one of our workers, um, he uh, stepped down from being the senior pastor to being the kids leader because if, he said, if anyone's going to go to prison first, it's going to be me. And so he continues to disciple the kids. And when our team go over there, these kids, they can tell you every book of the Bible. They can tell you what Jesus means to them and talk for like longer than five minutes about their relationship with Jesus. And they just know what it is to 
to have a walk with the Lord. And it's because men like that and women like that and people are prepared to actually do something and hand the gospel to the next generation. They can't carry around their own Bibles. If if a kid has got a Bible, well, then um, it'll be taken off. It's illegal for a kid to have a Bible. So it's got to be in their head. It's got to be in their heart. And so that's what we do. We, We help to do that. And so, um, and so what we're doing is, is we're simply building a community of, um, of prayers and givers who will stand with the persecuted church month in and month out, um, and that we would stand and just be strong with them and just engage in the battle. And so what I'd love to do this morning is I'd, I'd love to pray. I'd love to pray for Neela who is going to be having church today um, in this environment where she could be um, herself killed, the the church itself could be raided, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I want to pray for Sarah as well um, because she is in Iran and she's still doing the um, the thing that the Lord has called her to. Um, And I will remind us that there are fifty to 70,000 Christians in labor camps in North Korea at the moment and they don't get out of those camps. That is where they go to die. And so we have brothers and sisters in those environments at the moment. And so let's, uh, let's pray together. What I'd love to do, why don't we stand? Could we just engage that way? I'd love us to, to stand and to pray. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a chance that we have now to, uh, to really make a difference. Um, even though we don't stand in the same place that they are, there, there certainly is no geographical boundary between us and them when it comes to prayer. Hallelujah. So Lord, I pray that you'll just prepare our hearts this morning to pray, Lord God, to intercede, to stand in the gap for these ones. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even as we're here in the presence of the Lord, before I start to pray, why don't we begin by um, allow the Holy Spirit to drop into your mind um, a face uh, or perhaps a name. Um, Maybe it's a a young boy, a young girl. Maybe it's an older woman or older man. Maybe uh, they're sitting uh, alone, isolated in a prison, maybe in a a labor camp, maybe enduring uh, beating at the moment or alone in a field, wherever they might be right now. Praise you, Lord. Because we don't know who they are, but Jesus certainly does know each one of them intimately. He's been walking with them ever since they were born. He knows every situation, and he knows who needs our prayer right now in this moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we lift up this one to you right now in Jesus' name, and we pray that in this moment that they would sense your presence. Lord, they would sense your encouragement. I pray that you would highlight into their heart and their mind right now a piece of Scripture, something from your Word that becomes revelation, becomes rema to them in this moment to give them strength, Lord God. We pray for joy to, to fill their hearts, even in the midst of suffering, because we know the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I pray, Lord, that they would actually sense in this moment that someone around the world is praying for them, is standing with them and encouraging them and interceding for them in Jesus' name. Lord, we lift up that one to you right now and we declare deliverance. We declare freedom, Lord. We pray that they would endure and that they would see you, Lord God, that they would endure into the end in Jesus' name and not give up, not give up hope, Lord God, and not renounce their faith, not let go, but stay firm, stay strong right to the end in Jesus name. 
Hallelujah, Lord. I pray that they would shine for you, Lord, in that place, and that even their persecutors and those around them would see your light shining from them, see your love, see the evidence of you being in them and with them in Jesus' name. Lord, and we even praying for salvation around them, Lord God, that the ones around them who see the evidence of their testimony and the evidence of their witness, Lord God, that they would even find you as a result. Lord, you say in your word to pray for our persecutors, to pray Pray for our enemies, Lord God, and so we do pray for them that they would come to know you in Jesus' name. Lord, we lift up Neela to you, who's leading church, and we pray for strength. We pray for uh, boldness, Lord God. We pray for your wisdom, that she would know what to do, where to go, what to say. Fill her with your spirit this morning in Jesus' name, that she would declare your word with courage and with strength. Lord, I pray for your protection around her kids, her four kids in Jesus' name. Lord, that they'll be protected, they'll be safe, and that they would just know the presence of God around them in Jesus name hallelujah Lord we pray for Sarah where she is uh, in Iran we also pray for um, for that uh, high official as well in Jesus name that both of them will be filled with your spirit, Lord God, and that they would be able to be a witness where they are. May they have a great day today in Jesus' name, Lord God. Have some divine encounters. Lead people to you and extend your kingdom where they are. Lord, and we do pray for those fifty to 70,000 believers in North Korean labor camps right now. Lord, may they be strong. Lord God, may they endure to the end in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for, for the leaders. We pray for that country. Lord, that you would do something to bring a shift and bring a change in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray into that and know and believe that you are your name. The name that you've been given already is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the one that has all authority. So in Jesus' name, we declare Lord, that that uh, nation would be broken open and that your kingdom would come and your will be done in that place as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord God, I thank you that you use our prayers, that you take them, Lord God, and that they are powerful and effective in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And Lord, for us today, I pray that we would have that, that faith and that, that courage and that expectation for what you're going to do. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear your word uh, this morning and that we'll be encouraged in our faith, Lord, to be, to be bold, to be courageous, to do the things that you've called us to do. Lord, I thank you that each one of us has got something in our hands that we can use to bless the world around us. Lord, you've called us to be a blessing to our, um, our, our area, our city, our nation, the nation of the world and to have that reach and so lord i pray that you would show us what it is that you're calling us to do today hallelujah lord we thank you for all that you are doing on the earth lord god we certainly are fighting a winning battle and we know that you have already won the battle and so we give you praise and glory for that in jesus name amen amen Amen. let's give the lord a praise offering for what he's done thank you jesus Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, so good. I, I just feel like, um, you know, you, you hear some of the stories and, and so you develop a burden for what's going on around the world. And then we get to pray together and kind of convert that burden 
Um, yeah, sure, you can take your seats. I'm just going to close up. Um, and so we, we can take that burden and convert it into prayer and then just get that release and make a difference. And so how great that we're able to do that. You know, prayer just is simply one of those, man, you know, just, just those basic things that the Lord has given us. Uh, um, you know, the ability to praise, the ability to worship, the ability to, to pray, um, the ability to, to pray in tongues and, and do those kind of things and, and just engage with, uh, with what it is that the Lord's doing. So, hey, thanks. Um, for, for having me this morning and I've got a stand at the back there and, um, and I do have some sign up forms if people do want to um, sign up and be monthly givers, um, frontline partners and uh, and love to just to answer any questions that you have as well and uh, you know there's plenty of stories, there's plenty of news and, and things are happening on you know in, in so many countries at the moment so um, thanks so much for having me